Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are previewing the week six main slate of college football DFS this Saturday, October 7th. We are going to be breaking down the games that you want to um, get some players uh, you know, into your lineups for, and then we're going to be talking about the best plays at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver position to hopefully give you guys the best plays and the best players to help you guys win some money on DraftKings or FanDuel this week. Now, this is quite the slate like this is a really good slate and if you're watching on youtube you can already see who i'm repping so let's go ahead and you know waste no time here with the introduction let's go ahead and get started with breaking down this main slate with the games that you're going to want to be targeting but first let's get a quick word from our friends at spotify All right, so let's go ahead and break down the best games that you need to be looking at for this Saturday main slate. So the reason why we do the episodes in this format, y'all, is because it is really important to know what games are going to see kind of what type of action in terms of scoring and in terms of margin of victory. Um, But also, there's a lot of shows that just do everything game by game, and I don't think that's really all super helpful when you do have to build a lineup at the end of the day that does have a quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a flex, and a super flex. So I do like to break things down positionally, But this segment is super important because it's going to tell you what you can expect from these games. And a lot of most successful DFS lineups are either game stacks or they're finding ways to gain leverage by using different types of games with different types of game flows. So let's go ahead and take a look at this Saturday's slate. So you do have a few projected blowouts this Saturday, starting with the noon kickoff, Ohio State versus Maryland. This one is projected to be Ohio State 37 to 18. Uh, I happen to think this one could be closer than expected. Last year, Ohio State only beat Maryland 43-30 to in College Park. That was the Dowan hating game when um, Travion Henderson was very little utilized. Mayan Williams was out and backup running back Dowan Hayden had a huge game, pretty much broke the slate in DFS that week. Um, in that game, no Maryland wide receiver scored over 12 fantasy points. Little Tua, uh, Talia Tagovailoa really spread the ball around. He did have 27 fantasy points himself. If you're able to get a repeat of what we saw last year in this game, that could be a very stackable game with there being 73 total points scored last year. Now, another one to look out for is Florida State versus Virginia Tech. This one is projected to be a blowout, projected to be Florida State 38 8 to 14. Um, Florida State does have the highest uh, team total on the slate at 38. Uh, Virginia Tech's just on the struggle bus this year. They're not very good. I I would be shocked if this one was not a blowout. Now, another game that's projected to be a blowout that I think could be sneaky close is Wake Forest at Clemson. So it's projected right now by the spread and the total to be about 36 to 16 in favor of Clemson. Last year was an absolute shootout. It was an outstanding game. It was the infamous Aaron Judge cutaway game where ESPN couldn't stop showing Aaron Judge's home runs while this game was going on. Um, But it was 51 to 45 in overtime in favor of Clemson. And you know, say what you want about Wake Forest this year, but Clemson has historically struggled to defend this Wake Forest offense. They gave up 45 to them last year. In 2021, Clemson still won, but the game was 48 to 27. So Wake Forest does have a history of putting up points on Clemson. Now, Sam Hartman's no longer at Wake Forest. He's now at Notre Dame, which I'm sure Irish fans all over the America are thankful for after last Saturday. But, you know, I think you're seeing a slate or a game here where Clemson's probably going to put up a lot of points, but I think Wake is going to be able to put up some points too. Now, there are a few shootout games. Now remember when I classify a shootout game, I'm looking for a one possession point spread and I'm looking for the game total to be over 50. And the first one we're going to talk about is the marquee game of the day, the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma versus Texas. And I got to say, as a Texas fan and as a college football fan, if you ever have an opportunity to go to this game, 
go. It's an incredible experience. Um, first off, the game is taking place at the Texas State Fair in Dallas, and, and it's just a great atmosphere for a football game. First off, the fair itself is top tier. You got elite level food, elite level midway with all kinds of contests and rides, and it, it's just a blast to go there. But the game itself, the rivalry is so unique because you know you got half the stadium painted orange and half the stadium painted red with you know the gear that everybody wears and it's just a super respectful fun rivalry like everybody there at that game like there's there wasn't any fights that the one time that I went there wasn't any like egregious trash talking or like you know anything vulgar it was two fan bases that had mutual respect for each other there was some playful banter before and after the games but everything was done with a smile on its face and it's two programs that understand the importance of that game and under Understand how important they are to each other and it's just a top tier rivalry and it's just an incredible experience but anyway the game this year is projected to be a pretty good one it's projected to be texas about 34 to 27 with a total slightly north of 60 i happen to think that texas is really going to be able to put up some points in this one oklahoma gave up some big plays last week to iowa state's offense that was missing half their normal starters because they love to gamble uh and so i think that texas with you know everybody in tow is going to be able to put up some big plays and they're going to be able to put up some points and I'm a little biased but I really think Texas is going to be able to win this game and I think that they're probably going to be able to make it a, a one to two score game in my opinion now Washington State versus UCLA is another projected shootout this is the rare ranked team on the road and is an underdog, which typically goes in favor of the home team just traditionally. Um, so this game is projected to be UCLA 32 to 28. Both these teams can put up some points. Um, UCLA, not exactly the easiest team to target in DFS right now, but Washington State with their quarterback Cam Ward is definitely in a good position to put up some points. Then you've also got Syracuse versus UNC projected to be about 34 to 26 UNC. You've also got UCF Kansas which is projected to be about um, 33 to 31 in favor of Kansas. If we get news on either of the normal starting quarterbacks in that game, that, you know, the point spread and the total could definitely change. And then the most stackable game on the slate, the one that you're going to see the most action in on DFS is going to be LSU at Missouri. That one is currently projected to be LSU 35 to 29. LSU right now, they're putting up a lot of points with quarterback Jaden Daniels, and they can't really stop a nosebleed defensively. And Missouri's coming into town with hot quarterback Brady Cook and receiver Luther Burden. There's going to be plenty of points scored in that one. I think that is the easiest game to stack for DFS purposes because you are pretty confident it's going to be high scoring. It is the highest total on the slate. And both teams are very, very concentrated in who their offense is going to right now. So I definitely think that that is a game that you're going to want to get a piece of in your DFS lineups. Now, when it comes to constructing that DFS lineup, let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback position. So the top quarterback on the board is UNC's Drake May. And I got to say, I'm a little bit concerned. Basically, with Drake May, he's still getting all the yardage and all the attempts that he got last year, but he's not accounting for as big of a proportion of his team's touchdowns as he did last year, and it's leading to a decrease in fantasy scoring. He only accounted for three of his team's um, five touchdowns against Pitt, and he only accounted for two of his team's four touchdowns against Minnesota. The points are there for Carolina, and the attempts are there for May, but if he doesn't start putting the ball in the end zone, he's not going to be worth that price tag. 
Jaden Daniels would be my bet to be the top scoring quarterback on the slate. Look, he's just been really good this year for fantasy purposes. He's had a floor of 26 fantasy points this season, had a ceiling of over 50, and he's got rushing upside. He's averaging 12 rushing attempts per game, and this game is likely a shootout like we closed with the last segment. So Jaden Daniels, probably the best pick to finish as you know the top scoring quarterback at the end of the day on this slate. Dylan Gabriel, I'm fading this week for obvious reasons. Um, I just think the Texas defense is a step up in competition from what he's seen, and he's very touchdown dependent with his scoring. Uh, and so I think, you know, my own fandom and um, just the math going against Dylan Gabriel this week at a very high salary. Now, Jordan Travis it has probably the second highest upside on this slate behind Jaden Daniels, in my opinion, with his team having the highest projected total and Daniels having, or not Daniels, Travis having some slight rushing upside as well as upside to be involved with like four or five touchdowns. He's definitely got some upside. He's at an affordable price tag, and I expect Florida State to put up points at will against Virginia Tech. Cam Ward is also a solid play. He's actually deceptively second on the slate in fantasy points per game behind only Jaden Daniels. However, I do think that UCLA is a slightly better defensive team than a lot of other of the top quarterbacks. Um, and so if he is able to have the same efficiency that he's had against this UCLA defense, obviously he's going to put up points, but the matchup would be the only cause of concern for me. I'm still playing Cam Ward this week, but I'm definitely a little more concerned about that matchup than I am some other quarterbacks. Quinn Ewers, my University of Texas Longhorns quarterback, has a higher salary than I would personally like to see. This is a team that still loves to run the football. They're never going to have Quinn throw it 45 to 50 times a game. That's just not what their offense does, but he is super efficient. He's probably going to be involved in multiple touchdowns, and he's actually shown some rushing upside, believe it or not, in the last few games. Four rushing touchdowns in his last three games for Quinn Ewers, and look, if this offense hits some big plays, like I alluded to earlier with the fact that Oklahoma is giving up some big plays, then it could be a big day in store for the no longer mulleted Quinn Ewers and the Texas Longhorns. Kyle McCord is at a price tag I thought I would never see him at $8,100. I think that definitely makes him not a bad play, especially if you think Ohio State puts up a lot of points against Maryland or if you think they blow them out. Uh, definitely a solid play. I think his salary is a little bit deflated because of the game against Notre Dame, but I'm willing to forgive him for that. That Irish defense is really tough. They didn't really surrender much through the air at all. Uh, and so I definitely think Kyle McCord is back in play this week at an affordable salary. As I mentioned in the game section, monitor the status of John Reese Plumley and Jalen Daniels in this Kansas UCF game. If either of them play, they're both in my player pool. The backups, um, which are Timmy McLean for UCF and Jason Bean for Kansas, are both in my player pool as well. I think in this game, you've got two offenses that are better than the defenses they're going up against. And so you're going to see a good amount of points scored by both these teams, especially if they have their starting quarterbacks in tow. And both those quarterbacks have rushing upside as well, which is what we really like to see in DFS. Now, the most popular quarterback on the slate, the highest owned quarterback on the slate, in my opinion, projecting ahead to Saturday is going to be Brady Cook of Missouri. So not only has he been pretty doggone good this season, having 26 fantasy points or more in his last three games, but he has got a great matchup against an LSU team that just gave up 50 points to Mississippi, that's gave up 45 to Florida State earlier in the year, and this game has the highest total on the slate. So Brady Cook is going to be a guy that a lot of people click into their lineups. To me, that makes the guys right below him natural 
pivot points. So like guys like Garrett Schrader going up against UNC and who also has been really good this year and has a lot of rushing upside. He would be a natural pivot off of Brady Cook. Mitch Griffiths of Wake Forest would be a natural pivot off of Brady Cook at $6,800. He hasn't really had a huge game yet this year, but he is a part of this Wake offense that has had success historically against Clemson. And he has shown a lot of rushing attempts, averaging uh, 16 in his last two games. So I think those guys would be solid pivot plays off of Brady Brady Cook, if you were looking to decrease your ownership and play something a little bit more outside the box. But at the same time, if you want to go game stack or if you want to go onslaught for this LSU-Missouri game, I don't think Brady Cook's a bad play either. I still think there are ways you could play Jaden Daniels and Brady Cook together and get different with the rest of your lineup to make a unique build. Now, in terms of cheap quarterbacks, Graham Mertz for Florida, I don't think is a bad play. I don't think this Vanderbilt defense is very good. I think Mertz definitely has a capped upside. He gives you nothing running the football. He's unlikely to be involved in more than three touchdowns, but at the price, I definitely think he's, you know, he's worth considering at that price point. And then Kyron Drones of Virginia Tech, if Grant Wells is out, is another guy I would consider. If you think Virginia Tech keeps this game close, it would probably be because of Drones. He's averaging over 17 rushing attempts per game in his last three games. And Florida State, this defense had trouble against Thomas Castellanos and a Russian quarterback against Boston College. So I definitely think the drones could take advantage of that same weak point. And he's at a very cheap price on DraftKings. If you think that Virginia Tech keeps this game close, Kyron Drones is a very solid play. All right, that does it for the quarterback position. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some running backs. All right, if you were sitting there thinking, well, all those quarterback plays are great, but who are you actually playing in your lineups? Well, there are definitely places where you can find me and we can, you know, discuss things like that. So first off, don't be afraid to hit me up on X now at Mike's Money Picks. Um, I tweet out the rundown for every college football DFS slate. If there's injury updates that, you know, change my opinion on a player, I, I'm usually able to tweet them out if, you know, I'm not doing something else at the time. I'm a busy guy right now coaching football and just having a baby at home. So it's been a, definitely a different experience this football season but I do try to get out that stuff on Twitter pretty reliably. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. We've got a lot of smart people who play a lot of DFS. Link is in the description below. It is totally free of charge, um, and we have a lot of good discussion in there. We had a lot of winners in college football last week, and we're hoping to keep that up again this week. And also, I do write full articles for every main college football slate, but I do not write for free. So head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. You will get the full article for every college football, NFL, and PGA slate where I talk about my favorite plays. I talk about ownership and I talk about strategy in those articles um, every week. And the plays from the Patreon last week, especially on FanDuel, were really, really good. Um, I, I can't guarantee that result every time, but I can guarantee a good informative article that gives you good insight into ownership and strategy as well as who my core ends up being for each slate. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the running back position. So Braywin Allen is at the top of the board and I'm not going to lie to y'all, it's kind of hard for me to get excited about Braywin Allen. The game he's in is one of the lowest totals on the slate, and he's a part of a full-blown committee with Ches Malusi right now. Braylon Allen's only averaging 13 carries per game so far this early season, and that's just not what you want from a guy that you're paying $8,400 on DraftKings for. And he was getting a lot of work in the receiving game at the start of the season with 13 catches in his first two games, but that number has dwindled to three in his last two games. And so I seriously question the floor and the upside of Braylon Allen, which at a guy at his price tag is not a guy that I want to have questions about. So Braylon Allen is probably going to be mostly a fade for me this week. I might get a little bit of exposure to him just because he is that good, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him this week. But I just don't think he's that great of a play, in my opinion. 
Now, the Ohio State running back situation, we mentioned last year was the Dowan Hayden game. Well, you know, it was the Dowan Hayden game because Travion Henderson saw a reduced workload and Mayan Williams was out. Well, guess what? They're all three healthy right now. And so I have no idea what to do with this Ohio State situation. It is a full blown committee. Travion Henderson was by far the most effective one against Notre Dame, managing to get over 100 yards against the tough Irish defense. But I just don't really want any part of messing with a running back committee if I don't have to, especially one who's priced over $7,400. I put Travion Henderson in the Braywin Allen category of I'm probably going to play him in one lineup just because he does have upside because he is really good at football, but just not a guy that I'm going to a lot this week. Now, Cody Schrader is an interesting pivot in a game that is going to feature a lot of exposure to the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. So you could really gain a leg up on the field if you play Cody Schrader and don't play anybody in the Missouri passing game. And then, you know, come Saturday, Cody Schrader punches in like three one-yard touchdowns. Like that would be a way you could really gain some ground on the field and be different in your lineup as well. And I'm kind of buying him as a solid play. You know, he's averaging about 16 carries a game, if not a little bit more than that. And so I think he's a pretty good spot where, you know, um, Nathaniel Pete is there as well, but Schrader is definitely the 1A in that committee, and he's a good bet to score a touchdown, and I kind of think he's a solid play if you want to gain some leverage on this Missouri passing game. Now, the next guy that I'm going to talk about is Jonathan Brooks, and look, he is the lead dog in the Texas backfield right now. He had 20 carries against Kansas, got to over 200 yards. If you watched last week, you know how high I was on him last week, and this week, it's not as good of a matchup against against Kansas. But what we like about Jonathan Brooks is that he is seeing a full workload in a very good offense with a very good offensive line in front of him. Last week, Brooks had 20 carries. CJ Baxter, the other guy in the running back committee with him, saw 16, but most of those were when the game was in hand. When the game was in the balance, Jonathan Brooks was the guy on the field. He was the guy getting all the carries. And I kind of like a guy that I know is going to get 20 touches in a game, in a game that's going to you know, got a total of over 60 points. Now, after Jonathan uh, Brooks, I do like Will Shipley at Clemson. So Will Shipley just kind of keeps churning out solid performance after solid performance. And I kind of think this Wake run defense is where you can have them. They're a little bit undersized. They're a little bit more of a, you know, like spread stopping defense, not built to really like stop a power run game. So I kind of think this is a really good matchup for Will Shipley. He's involved in the passing game as well. He's probably going to give you about 18 to 20 touches total. If he scores a touchdown, he's going to get probably at least 18 to 20 fantasy points. And I'm willing to buy into that at his salary of $6,400 on DraftKings. Now, speaking of gaining leverage on passing games, like we talked about with Cody Schrader, Logan Diggs is the same way for LSU. He has totally taken over this LSU backfield. Against Ole Miss, he had 19 carries, and the rest of the running backs combined had three. So Logan Diggs is like the alpha in this backfield. He also sees use in the passing game. And I'm telling you, if if Jaden Daniels were to not have a massive game, it would be because Logan Diggs probably has two or three touchdowns. And so he is a really good way to gain leverage on people who would be playing um, Jaden Daniels and the LSU wide receivers. RJ Harvey is a guy that I like a lot this week also. No matter who starts at quarterback for UCF, we just saw Jonathan Brooks run for 200 yards against Canvas, Kansas. Why did I say Canvas? Against Kansas. And RJ Harvey is a guy who is averaging 15 carries a game. So you've got a guy who's guaranteed a lot of touches against a very bad run defense. Sign me up for RJ Harvey at only $6,100. After that, 
when you dip down into the 5K range, it starts getting a little ugly this week. Like I feel like DraftKings is doing a really good job of pricing running backs to where there's not a whole lot of cheap running backs that I really want to play this week and any week. LaQuint Allen at $5,800 is a solid option uh, against a Carolina defense that's improved from last year, but LaQuint Allen just gets a lot of touches. He sees a lot of usage in the passing game with 15 total receptions in his last three games for an average of five per game, average of 17 rushing attempts in his last three games. So you're looking at a guy who's averaging 20 touches in one touchdown in his last three games. I just think he's a solid bet to do the same against UNC and to get to 20 fantasy points like he has each of the last four games. So the Quint Allen is just as steady of an option as they come. I think he's a really good cash game option this week. And I think he still gives you the upside to be played in tournaments as well. On the other side of the ball in this game, Amarian Hampton is a guy that has been really good this season, but I kind of think that he's got to have a come down to earth. His TD rate is really high. He's scoring on about one out of every 10 rushing attempts. He had five touchdowns in his first two games of the season, and he's gotten one each in each of his last two games of the year. I just think that he has to come back down to earth. And, you know, maybe if you're buying into the whole, well, you know, Drake May's touchdown rate is down, Amarian Hampton's rate touchdown rate is up, maybe they flip-flop. I think that's certainly a possibility, but it's also a possibility they don't. And so Marion Hampton is in play for me because of his touchdown scoring upside. But I do think that statistically regression is coming at some point. I don't think he's going to continue scoring touchdowns at this rate. Now, UCLA is a situation that could be profitable, but both the running backs are literally splitting carries at a 50-50 rate right now. That is Carson Steele and TJ Harden. They both carried the ball 11 times against Utah and didn't have very much success doing so. And if they were able to have success against Washington State, I do think UCLA's advantage in this one is on the ground. So I don't think that either of them are bad plays, but I really wish they weren't in a 50-50 split because your guess is as good as mine as to who is going to be the better back for them this week. Tyrone Tracy for Purdue is the last guy that we are going to talk about. He appears to have taken over this Purdue backfield from Devin Maccabee, who is having fumble issues. And that's a great way to get into your coach's doghouse is to fumble the football. And Tyrone Tracy is taking advantage of that. He had 21 carries against Illinois, ended up with 21.6 fantasy points. However, I don't necessarily think I'm eager to play anybody going up against Iowa or anybody on Iowa for that matter, because Iowa pretty much, their games always end up being about 10 to seven, just because they have no offense and they play really good defense. They have a lot of playmakers on defense and their offense just kind of makes things a slog because they play at a very slow tempo because they know they're not very good. And so I kind of don't want to play a running back going up against Iowa, but I think a lot of people are also going to feel that way as well. So I think Tyrone Tracy might be a little under-owned. And if he happens to get in the end zone twice, you're going to probably be looking at a very good value play at the end of the day at only $5,300. All right, that does it for the running back position. So let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about some wide receivers. All right, so before we dive into the wide receiver position, if you like what you're seeing on YouTube, hit that like button and hit that subscribe button as well. If you hit the like button, it helps the videos get noticed. It really, I really do appreciate it. It helps me out a ton. And if you subscribe, you'll be notified when all of our weekly college football, NFL, and golf content drops. So that way you can come back next week. And also help spread the word. Like, let, let your friends know. If you got anybody you know that plays college football DFS or might be interested in playing college football DFS, let them know about the channel. Let them know that we're here to help give you guys some information that is going to help 
you guys win money by playing on DraftKings and FanDuel all season long. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the wide receiver position. Look, the Ohio State guys are at the top of the board, and it comes as no surprise. They're really good. Like, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best receiver in college football, and Emeka Buka is probably like the fifth best receiver in college football, and their teammates. And so I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is objectively the better play. He had kind of a dud game against Notre Dame, but he was really banged up in that game. He was also going up against Morrison from Notre Dame, who is a top-tier corner in college football. Well, Maryland doesn't have one of those. So I think Marvin Harrison Jr. could be in line for a big game. However, he's pretty darn expensive. If you don't want to pay up for Marvin Harrison, but you still want to get a piece of this Ohio State passing game, I have no problem playing Emeka Ibuka um, just because he kind of does have the same weekly upside as Marvin Harrison Jr. He doesn't hit it as often, but he is a guy who's going to get probably double-digit targets, probably a chance to score a touchdown as well. And, and I think he's another solid play. Obviously, I think Harrison's the better player, but Ibuka kids could still be a guy that gives you your money's worth in DFS. Now, another guy that I really like in this Ohio State passing game is tight end Cade Stover. He's kind of a quiet contributor to this Buckeyes offense. He had five catches in week one and week three, and then he had seven catches against Notre Dame on 11 targets. Look, if you got a guy who's going to get 11 targets at only $4,600 on DraftKings, that is a steal. That is a bargain. And it's also a way to get exposure to a really top tier passing attack that a lot of people are probably not going to go with because if they're playing Ohio State guys, they're probably playing a Buka or Harrison. Now, in in this same game, sticking in the Maryland-Ohio State game on the Maryland side of things, look, Maryland spreads the ball around a lot. Like, it, I've probably gone back and forth all like three or four times this season on who I think the best receiver plays for Maryland are. And so just know going in that it could end up being any one of these guys because they do spread the ball around that much. It's almost like when a guy gets six catches, they just yank him out the game. Like, all right, you got your quota for the day. You're, you're going to head to the bench the rest of the game. But anyway, Jay Sean Jones has kind of solidified himself as the alpha with 11 catches in their last two games. He's also almost gotten to 100 yards in each of the last two games. Um, however, against Indiana, Ty Felton operated as the wide receiver, won seven catches for 134 yards and three touchdowns against Indiana. Look, he's not going to do that again against Ohio State, but clearly that is a sign that he has a high ceiling. And lastly, you got Caden Prather, through the West Virginia transfer, who just based off the eye test might be the most talented guy in the group. All three of these guys from Maryland, in my opinion, are playable, especially if you are stacking the Ohio State offense. You can play one of the Maryland guys as a bring back. I probably wouldn't play anybody outside of of those three because those are the only three that have shown any kind of weekly upside. But just know that this Maryland passing attack is super unpredictable and you never know who the number one is going to be on any given day. Now, in terms of price tag, the next guy I am interested in is Luther Burden III of Missouri. And look, he's going to be the highest owned receiver on the slate. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Like you got a guy who in my opinion, he's an elite cash game play because listen to what he's done in every game so far this season. Seven catches in every game, 22 fantasy points in every game, averaging one touchdown a game, highest target share of any wide receiver on the slate, highest game total of any wide receiver on the slate. So you're looking at a guy who just checks all of the boxes and he's only $6,900. So Luther Burden is going to be a super popular play and I'm fine playing him. Just know you're going to have to probably, you know, go a little bit different somewhere else in the rest of your lineup because he's going to be pretty highly owned. I'm talking like probably 30 to 40% in GPPs. Now sticking in this Missouri passing offense though, if you want to try to gain leverage on everybody playing Burden, Theo Weiss is not a bad place to go. He's an Oklahoma transfer who's really talented, who's really came on strong in the last three games. He's got 19 catches in their last three games, which were all against 
good competition for what it's worth, and including a 29.8 fantasy point performance against Vanderbilt in week five. And in that game, he had 13 targets. So Theo Weiss is definitely the guy who is, you know, the second option in this passing attack. And if Weiss has a big game and Burden doesn't, you can gain a lot of leverage on the field if you play him. Now, the rest of the Missouri receivers aren't really super involved consistently. However, Marquise Johnson is a guy who I think would be a decent punt play. He's only $3,700 on DraftKings. He's caught a pass of 40 yards or longer in each of the last three games for Missouri. So you got a guy who... You know, if he catches one deep pass for a touchdown, boom, all of a sudden he has paid off his value. And at a cheap price tag in a game that's going to feature a lot of touchdowns, that might be worth a shot at only $3,700. Now, in the LSU game, just when we think we have it figured out, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. continue to kind of alternate who has big games against Mississippi. It was Brian Thomas who had 41.4, and Malik Neighbors was not a disappointment either. He had 21.2 himself. So just know that these two guys are the 1A and 1B in this passing attack, and they're both probably going to be pretty good. If you are trying to play LSU guys in your lineup and you are picking one of them, I don't know which one to tell you to pick. I just know they're both really good and they're both going to be in play and they both have a chance to have a big game. So if you play multiple lineups, play some neighbors, play some Thomas. And I'm actually a fan of playing them both together because if you look at what they've done in a lot of games, both of them have gotten home. You know, in the game against Ole Miss, they totaled about 60 fantasy points together. In the game against um, Arkansas, they totaled about 60 fantasy points together. In the game against Mississippi State, they totaled about 60 fantasy points together. So if you want to just you know, play both of them, like maybe even in a cash game lineup, even and just say, Hey, I'm fine with getting 60 fantasy points out of both these guys. That's a solid strategy in my book. Now, Kyron Lacey is the next most talented guy in this receiving core. He's the wide receiver three, if he does end up playing, but a guy that I'm kind of willing to go to is tight end Mason Taylor. He's going to be out on the field a lot. And I kind of think that in a game like this, if you're going to be out on the field enough, maybe you're luck your way into a few catches and maybe even a touchdown. So I think Mason Taylor is a pretty solid play in this LSU offense. Now, heading to another high-powered um, State University offense. Let's talk about Florida State. So Florida State has two clear top receivers, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. Keon Coleman has been the better fantasy option so far this season. Johnny Wilson has also not scored a touchdown yet. 16 catches, 300 yards, no touchdowns. I think he is due for some touchdown regression. I really do. Now, I don't know when it's going to come. It might come against Virginia Tech when the team's implied 38 points. If they score five touchdowns, I'm willing to bet that Johnny Wilson is going to account for one of them. So I'm willing to play both Coleman and Wilson. And if you're looking to get cheap in this passing game, um, Jaheim Bell, the tight end, is another guy who could serve as a value. Kind of like Mason Taylor, he's out on the field a lot. And if you're going to be out on the field a lot in, as a tight end in an offense like this, you might find your way into scoring a touchdown or two. Now on the other side of the ball in this game for Virginia Tech, Kelly Jennings is probably going to remain out. And, you know, Kyron Jones is a dual threat quarterback who isn't super accurate, if I'm being honest. But in the last two games, both Jalen Lane and uh, Daquan Felton have been pretty good. And if you're willing to give the Virginia Tech passing game a shot, it would be through one of those two guys, Lane or Felton. Only I'm not touching anybody else in that lineup. 
Now, Wake Forest is a very concentrated receiving core. They pretty much only throw to Jamal Banks, Taylor Morin, and Keyshawn Williams. And Keyshawn Williams is kind of being phased out just a little bit. Like, he's not used as much as the other two guys are. So if you think that this game shoots out, I think it's actually a pretty easy stack with Wake Forest to just put in Banks or Morin, or, or maybe even both of them. And, and if you think Wake Forest has a lot of success, it's probably going to be through those two guys. Jamal Banks is a super athletic super talented out wide receiver who can go up and win jump balls and win deep balls. Taylor Morin is the slot who's a really good route runner, really good possession receiver. And so both of them kind of complement each other well. And, and I'm kind of willing to bet that if Wake Forest scores a lot of points, it's going to be because of one of those two guys doing a lot of damage. Now for Clemson, Antonio Williams has missed the last two games. In those two games, Tyler Brown, the true freshman, has been really good. Now, if you were following on DraftKings last week, Tyler Brown had a zero next to his name for a long time. I guess DraftKings forgot who he was, or maybe there was like multiple Tyler Browns in the system and they were giving the fancy points to a Tyler Brown on like Western Michigan or something. But either way, they eventually got it right and they gave him all of his 28.4 fantasy points that he saw against Syracuse. Look, if Antonio Williams is out, Tyler Brown is the number one receiver in this Clemson offense. If Antonio Williams comes back, I don't know how that's going to affect Tyler Brown, but he wasn't doing much when Antonio Williams was healthy. So if Williams is out, Tyler Brown, I would consider a very, very valuable piece to have in your lineup. And I think Bo Collins is also a solid play. Um, he had two uh, receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown against Syracuse without Antonio Williams. And he actually um, was second on the team in targets against FSU. So I don't think he's a bad play either if Antonio Williams continues to be out. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about the Red River rivalry because they've got a lot of receivers playing in this game. Xavier Worthy is the OU killer. He has scored over 20 fantasy points in both games he has played in his career against Oklahoma, and I expect him to do the same again. We mentioned at the top, Oklahoma has given up some big plays to offenses like Iowa State that don't have guys like Xavier Worthy in them. And so if Xavier Worthy does happen to catch a deep ball or two, that's going to instantly pay off his value. Jatavion Sanders is really the only other guy in this passing game I'm interested in, and he's listed as day-to-day -day with an ankle injury, and I think he's a pretty good value if he plays. If he does not play, the backup tight end is Gunnar Helm, who might be worth a shot as a punt play in GPPs. Look, I don't think he's going to come in and immediately see all of Jatavion Sanders' role and Jatavion Sanders' targets, because there's just not many tight ends that are out there that are at, like athletic like Jatavion Sanders. It'd be like in the NFL, kind of like how when Darren Waller was out. Foster Moreau was still usable in fantasy, but he wasn't quite Darren Waller. I think it would be a similar scenario, but Gunnar Helm would be a guy that if Jatavion Sanders misses time, maybe he sees a little bit of an increased role. Now, the Oklahoma receivers to me are weirdly priced. I don't understand why Jaleel Farouk is the top priced receiver. Um, Andre Anthony has just been the best one all season. He's been the target leader all season long. Drake Stoops is going to play a role as well. He has a super low average depth of target, so he would need a lot of volume to get home against the tough defense. And then you got um, Nick Anderson, who just all he does is score touchdowns. And it, look, if he ends up not scoring touchdowns, it's not going to be pretty. So um, I think he's a super boom or bust play. If I were playing this game in terms of a game stack, Andre Anthony and Drake Stoops would be the guys that I would go with. Now, two more passing offenses that I do want to talk about before we go for the day. UNC, look, Drake May spreads the ball around a lot. You know, they don't really have a true number one receiver like they've had in years past with guys like Josh Downs. But what they tend to have, though, is one guy emerges as the wide receiver one 
on a given week, like Georgia Tech transfer Nate McCollum, who had 20 targets and 15 catches against Minnesota, good for 40 fantasy points. He scored 11 the rest of the season. And then you've also got J.J. Jones, who had six catches for 117 yards against Pitt, good for 20.7 fantasy points, which is eight points above his average of 12.2. So like that one game is lifting his average up quite a bit. And then you've also got Kobe Pesor, who has been a pretty consistent role week in and week out, but went from 15 catches in the first two games to only four in North Carolina's second two. So basically the bottom line with these Carolina receivers is it's very unlikely that more than one of them ends up getting home on a given day, but if you're playing Drake May, play one of the wide receivers and you know hope that one of them has a big game for you. Maybe it's McCollum, maybe it's Jones, maybe it's Pesor. Those three are the three that are on the field the most and consistently get targeted the most. But you know if you're playing multiple lineups with Drake May, sprinkle all three of them in there and, and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and one of them gives you a big performance like Nate McCollum against Minnesota or like J.J. Jones last time out against Pitt. Now the last passing offense I do want to talk about is Washington State because I do think there is some specific value to be had in this offense. Lawrence Victor, who was their wide receiver, or Lincoln Victor, excuse me, who is their wide receiver one, is going to miss this game and likely a lot of time. In the game that he missed, Josh Kelly had a pretty solid outing, if I must say so. 44.9 fantasy points against Oregon State. You also had Kyle Williams, who is another starter for them, who had a big game without Lincoln Victor in the lineup, 33.4 fantasy points against Oregon State. But those two we know about, right? Like they're $6,000 and $5,400 on DraftKings. If they see a boosted share with or target share with Lincoln Victor out, they're both going to be solid plays. But the guy I'm interested in is the guy who was not on the field before Lincoln Victor was out and was on the field when Lincoln Victor went down. That's Carlos Hernandez. He came in and he only had seven catches for 39 yards against Oregon State, but seven catches, like that's pretty solid. I'm willing to bet that he's going, if he catches seven passes again against UCLA, he's going to get more than 37 yards and he might even score a touchdown. And at a price tag of only $3,900, seven catches for 60 yards, 13 fantasy points, that would be pretty good value in any format this week. He is a guy that I am interested in because of the injury to Lincoln Victor. All right, that does it for the wide receiver position. And that does it for this episode. Remember, if you want more of me, follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Full articles available on the Patreon as well. And also, if you're looking to try something new this college football season, you can get the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player prop or sports book site that is available in your area. It syncs to your location. It's called Sign Up Expert, and we are partnered with them. Head to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks, and you'll get all those offers for any new site that you may be signing up for. All right, that does it for this episode. Hopefully it was able to give you guys some information that is going to help you build a winning lineup this week for the Saturday main slate. Um, best of luck to everybody playing DFS this week. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Subscribe to the channel. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop. Hit the like button because it helps me out a lot. Um, but thank you guys for watching and listening. I will see you next time. And one for the road, hook them. Mm-hmm.